Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a four-week Advent teaching series leading up to Christmas called God With Us. Thanks for joining us. I want you to think about the best gift that you ever got at Christmas. In fact, if you're watching with someone right now, just turn to them. Here's the best gift I ever got. Now, more than the gift, though, I want you to think about some of the emotions that you were feeling when you received that gift. My guess is you had a lot of joy going on. The best gift I ever got was when I was seven or eight. All year long, I had been asking my parents for a particular BMX bike. And so we got to Christmas Eve, which is when our family would actually open our presents, and I opened up all my presents, and even though I got some pretty cool stuff, there was no bike. I tried not to be disappointed, uh, but honestly, I was a little disappointed. On our way back upstairs, however, my dad said to me, hey, I think I see something behind the couch. You should probably go check that out. And sure enough, behind the couch was the bike I had dreamed about. I was full of joy, so much joy, in fact, I took it outside immediately. Remember, this is in Minnesota in winter, and I went on a ride. Unfortunately, about half a block down from our house, I had a major crash. So you can imagine my joy level went from here down to about here. Now, that story is a bit of an example of, I think, what happens to a lot of us around Christmas when it comes to joy. We are excited. We're anticipating what we're going to open up, and we open up all our presents, and then on December 26th, or maybe a couple days later, or maybe a few months later, even a couple years later, somehow that new iPhone or computer or sweater or fruitcake just doesn't cut it. It doesn't bring us lasting joy like we thought it would. We thought it was going to fill us up, but instead we're left no more satisfied than we were before. Maybe it lasts a few days, but I think you know what I mean. And I believe if we're honest with ourselves, this shows us there really isn't a lot of lasting joy to be found in the world these days. And yet, we think there is. We're the most entertained consumeristic culture in history, and yet, studies show, most of us still feel pretty empty. But what if I told you that this Christmas could be different for us? That this Christmas, our lives could be filled with a joy that won't go away. Friends, I believe that can happen for you. I believe that can happen for me. In fact, if you're following on your notes this morning, as we get going, God with us means joy, lasting joy. The key, of course, is what we choose to focus on when it comes to joy. Just to catch you up, we're on week three in our four-week series during Advent called God With Us. And in this series, we're just looking at the different things that the fact that Jesus came to be with us means for us. It means we can have hope, it means we can have love, and it means we can have joy. And next week, Jeff's going to talk about how it means we can have peace. Four weeks of looking what God with us means. Now, when I was growing up, and we still do this today, we had a tradition every Christmas Eve where we would read Luke chapters 1 through 2. And as you read through that, that's really the Christmas story. You can't help but notice the tremendous amount of joy that is filled in these passages. It's all over the pages. Uh, For example, in Luke 1.14, Zechariah and Elizabeth are told that they will give birth to John, who will prepare the way for Messiah. And the angel says... He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. When Mary visits Elizabeth, remember that what John, who is still in his mother's womb, does, Luke 1.44, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. When the angels announce Christ's birth to the shepherds, what do they say? 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And when the shepherds go see Jesus, what do they do? The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which, they were, which were just as they had been told. Elsewhere, in Matthew's gospel, we're told that when the Magi finally come to the place where the star was setting, it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Then, of course, there's Mary who we're going to be looking at together more in depth in a few minutes here. In fact, I'd invite you right now to take your Bible and turn it to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. But we're going to see she too was overcome with joy. Now the question for us this morning is where did all this joy come from? And more personally, I just want to ask you, do you have the same kind of joy that we just read there in your life? If not, I think today is a good message for us. Before we get into what joy is, though, I thought it might be important for us to get a clear understanding of what the Bible means by joy. Joy, like love and hope, and all the words we're looking at in this series, uh, has kind of been watered down in our society, especially this time of year. So I just wonder, do we even know what joy means? And to understand it, let's first talk about two things that joy is not, because I believe if you understand this, you're going to be well on your way to lasting joy. And so first, if you're following on your notes, joy is not a feeling of happiness. Now, I want to be careful here because that doesn't mean that feelings of happiness do not accompany joy. But just like we talked about with hope and love, joy, true joy, is not emotion-driven. In other words, we may not even feel happy, but we can still experience joy. This is what, the complete opposite of what I was taught growing up in church, friends. I always felt like there was this pressure for me as a follower of Jesus to be this shiny, happy person all the time on the outside like this guy here. Even though on the inside we might be hurting, we fake it because that's what we're supposed to do. I think churches are sometimes filled with what I'd call manufactured joy, where we come to church and we look good on the outside, but we're honestly not doing very well on the inside. It reminds me of about 10 years ago, there was this big thing in advertising for food that it had no trans fat. That was supposed to be the big new thing. Every commercial that was coming out was proclaiming, this product has no trans fat. One day, I was watching a commercial for Cheetos, and they were claiming the same thing. No trans fat in Cheetos. And I just thought to myself, that is so dumb. What are they trying to fool us? Like they're healthy now for us? Don't worry. Cheetos don't have trans fat. It made me actually look at the ingredients of a Cheeto because my whole life, I didn't even know what a Cheeto was. Here's some of the ingredients. Cornmeal, thiamine monoitrite, and my favorite one is yellow six. That sounds like some good stuff for you, huh? I don't think it sounds good to be eating something called yellow six. Now, friends, I know you're not watching today to get the ingredients of Cheetos, but here's the point. This is what a lot of Christians have been told to look like. We put on a label that we're this happy person, and then we come to church and we pretend everything is good. Look, no trans fat in my life, but all the while, we're hiding the true ingredients of our heart deep down inside. We don't talk about what's really going on in our lives. And if we're honest, all that stuff under the surface, all the ingredients of our life aren't that healthy. And the more we fake it, the worse it becomes. I know I've got some yellow six in my life, but I try to hide it with happiness, 
but that is not joy. Nor is it healthy, nor is it authentic in the way we want to live. The second thing joy is not, and truthfully, this might be the most important thing you hear this morning. If you struggle with joy in your life, if you're on your notes, joy is not based on our circumstances. If you want to understand the difference between joy and temporary happiness, this truth right here is all over the Bible. Joy has nothing to do with our circumstances. But that's hard for me to believe. Remember, a few years ago, I get together with my college friends every year, and one of them, his name is Ben Hook. And Ben Hook is just one of the most annoying people in the world because he's good at absolutely everything he does. And we play golf every year. One of my goals in life is to beat Ben Hook in golf. And a few years ago, I was well on my way. I was beating Ben Hook. I was full of joy. The weather was great. I'm praising God. And I came to the 12th hole and I shot an eight on a par four. And because my circumstances changed, my joy changed as well. Pray for me, won't you? See, here's what we got to understand about joy. When I get focused on my circumstances and off of God, that's actually when our joy goes away. But today, we live like our circumstances determine everything, right? If things are going good for me in life, then I have joy. If things are not going well for me in life, there goes my joy. In Philippians, often called the letter of joy, we see Paul, the apostle Paul, speak directly to this. Paul is a guy you well know who had much more difficult circumstances than shooting an eight on a par four. Paul was beaten with rods. He was whipped. He was shipwrecked. He was put in prison. And yet, he could write these words in Philippians 4.4, which I have printed on your notes. Will you read them with me? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Brian mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but did you know that is a command in the Greek language? I never took it as a serious command because commands are things like thou shall not murder, but here it's written in the imperative Greek language, which means it's an ongoing activity. So he's basically saying, choose joy, choose joy, choose joy. Even when you don't feel like it, choose joy. How do we do that, Paul? If you're following on your notes, the key is to choose to focus on the source of all joy not on our circumstances. Notice where Paul's joy comes from. Rejoice what? In the Lord. Let me give you an example of how this works in our own lives. We know this is true. Remember the first time you fell in love? There's the infatuation stage where all you think about the whole time is that person. What did you do with your problems during that time? I mean, you still had problems, right? Still stuff was coming into your life, but they didn't seem to matter very much, did they? I remember this with Peggy. Oh, no, I got a C on my test. Oh, well, I'm in love. It doesn't matter. I'm in this relationship, and it's so much greater right now than whatever circumstance I'm facing. And friends, the reason Paul could write these words is because he knew his joy was not determined by his circumstances. His joy came from Jesus. I believe one of the tests we will face when it comes to authentic joy, lasting joy, is its ability to exist even in the midst of pain and sorrow and suffering and loneliness and trials. This COVID year has been a trial for all of us, and I will just freely admit to you, I've struggled with joy. I've struggled with depression. But what Paul reminds us here is we can choose joy, not fake happiness, even now. 
I love how Karl Barth said it. If you look at the screen here, it says, joy is a defiant nevertheless. What a great definition, right? No matter my circumstances, from this day on, nevertheless, I will choose joy. Even where there is pain and suffering, nevertheless, I will rejoice. Friends, let me ask you a hard question. Is your joy predicated on your circumstances? If it is, it's not going to last. The greatest lesson I ever learned about this was the first time I ever went down to Mexico. This was in high school on a mission trip. We went to, honestly, probably the poorest area of Mexico in Tijuana. People were living in cardboard boxes that they had made in homes. And as I got there, I just thought, oh my, these are the worst circumstances I can imagine. These people must just be miserable. And then we got to know them. And I could not believe that despite their circumstances, there was a joy that I had never personally experienced in my life there. Why? Because they were not focused on their circumstances. And so now that I've told you what joy is not, let me give you a definition of my understanding of what joy is this morning. If you're on your notes, joy is ultimately an ongoing gratitude in the person and purposes of God. Joy can be experienced even when we're not feeling happy, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Why? Big question, why? Because the source of our joy is not found in ourselves. It's not found in the promises this world makes us, nor is it found in our circumstances. It is found in the person and purposes of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're skeptical, skeptical about this, I want to look at a person who exemplified this in the Christmas story. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and following as we consider Mary and the joyful song she was able to sing even in her circumstances. If you need a reminder of her circumstances, remember, Mary is a teenage girl who is found to be pregnant even though she is not married. In the law, this would be an opportunity, not an opportunity, this would be an option for her to be stoned because of this. Her future husband, decides to divorce her quietly. These are not ideal circumstances. I would say she probably wouldn't have chosen this because she could well lose her life. But instead of wallowing in self-pity, instead of doing what I often do, going, why me, Lord? If you're following on your notes, Mary chooses to express joy despite her circumstances. And so we have Mary bursting out in this song of praise to the Lord, a song we call the Magnificat. And if you know anything about it, this is the centerpiece of where so much of our Christmas music comes from, especially when it comes to joy. Mary understands where true joy comes from, not from feelings of happiness, not from her circumstances, but in the Lord. And she expresses that in a beautiful song. So let's look together at this as we learn about her lasting joy. I'll have you read verses 46 through the first part of 48 out loud on your notes, and then I'll continue. So let's read it. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Let's just stop here and unpack this for a minute. Why could Mary rejoice in the middle of some potentially dangerous and difficult circumstances? Well, let's think back to our definition of joy. And the first reason, if you're following, is because Mary delighted in God's character and had confidence in him. This is so important if you want to have lasting joy. I got to tell you, this is like a muscle that as Americans, we're going to learn to have to develop, especially as American Christians. Instead of focusing on herself or her circumstances, she focuses on the person of the Lord, and in him, she finds her joy. What do we know? What does she notice about God's character that causes her to rejoice? We notice three things. First of all, she rejoices in God's power. He is the mighty one who has performed mighty deeds with his arm. In the Old Testament, the arm of the Lord is a reference to God's strength, his sovereignty, his power. Mary pictures God's strength in this song and his power being revealed in this world. God's power is the same as God's sovereignty, right? God is in control. No matter what circumstances we face, God is a powerful God. Secondly, Mary rejoices in God's mercy. Why is it that God strengthens those who fear him, the humble and the hungry, as Mary said? It's because of his mercy, his undeserved favor. And Mary recognizes she has been the beneficiary of that mercy. And this gives her reason to rejoice. And then last but not least, she rejoices in God's holiness. When's the last time we rejoiced in God's holiness? She recognizes that in the presence of God, she is but a servant. The Lord is to be feared because his name is holy. He has been set apart. He is unlike anything or anyone who's ever existed. And yet she finds joy in this because even though God is holy, he is working in her life. Mary teaches us right here that if we want lasting joy in life, we should focus on the character and person of God instead of ourselves. If you look on the back of your notes, I've put together something like 400 references to the person and character of God. This is my gift to you this Christmas if you struggle with joy. Sometimes all we need to do is remind ourselves of who God is and what God does for us. And so if you struggle with joy, my challenge for you is start reading some of those references and use that as the source of joy in your life. Friends, when your life isn't going exactly how you want it to go and whose is right now, do you focus on the person and character of God or do you focus on yourself? We can learn from Mary this Advent and learn to rejoice in the person of the Lord and for the many, many reasons he gives us to rejoice. Second reason Mary could rejoice is because she delighted in God's plans and gave herself to them. Looking back, when Gabriel first visits her, even though she was afraid, she didn't understand how all of this was going to take place. Remember what she says? She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then in the song we just rang in verse, read in verse 47, she would say, my soul glorifies the Lord and in my spirit, what? And my spirit, what, rejoices in God, my Savior. And then I want you to pay attention to the next words. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Despite knowing the scandalous nature of her pregnancy, the potential danger that came with it, she gave herself to God's purposes and plans, and God fills her with joy as a result. 
Why is she willing to do that? Well, here's the key. She knows the source of where true joy comes from. And if you're following, the source of Mary's joy is the miracle of Emmanuel. God with us means joy. She understands what the angels would later proclaim to the shepherds, that the one who made the heavens and the earth, who is powerful and merciful and holy, is coming to our planet for our salvation. And she says, I get to be a part of that. She rejoiced because God was using her to fulfill his plan. Have you experienced that same joy? Have you given your life over to the purposes and plans of the Lord? Too many Christians today think showing up to church on a Sunday is what it's all about when it's really all about joining Jesus in his mission. That is where true joy comes from, to giving yourself to his purposes and plans, to serving others, loving one another as Jesus loved us, doing life together, yes, with Christ and with one another, but also with our community and world. Giving ourselves to God's plan and purposes. It might mean suffering. It might mean trials. It might mean heartache. But it's the only way we can find true joy. Only when we can say, I am the Lord's servant, will we experience that. Now, as we close this morning, if you want to experience the lasting joy of Advent, I want to ask you the most important question someone could ever ask you. If you're on your notes, will I open my heart to the source of lasting joy today? See, here's the truth. The choice is up to you. You can go up after the happiness that this world claims to offer us but never brings lasting joy. You can base your life on your circumstances or you can choose to go to the source of joy. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about opening our hearts to the God of power, the God of mercy, and the God of holiness. And it's why Mary could have lasting joy. No matter how bad it is on the surface of your life, no matter how bad your circumstances are right now, I want you to remember something. Jesus Christ has landed for you. God is now with us. And what's so amazing is that God wants nothing more than for you to experience that joy in your life with him. You see, once again, if you're following, lasting joy only comes in a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not just talking about this being a one-time thing. I really want you to listen to me here. I'm talking about an ongoing, everyday relationship with Jesus. I believe the reason there are so many happy Christians but not a lot of joyful ones is because the Christian life is not just this one-time invitation for salvation or into religion or into morality. The Christian life is to enter into the joy of the Lord himself. I want to say something shocking to you right now, but I never want you to forget this. God is the most joyful being in the entire universe. And he wants to share his joy with you. So much so that he sent his son to be with us, Emmanuel, in order to invite us into a relationship with him. This means, like Mary, we can all exclaim, the Lord has been mindful of me. You may be watching this thinking, 
I wish my life was different right now. I'm longing for some things to start happening. I'm waiting on God for this or that to happen. But I just want you to stop right now in the middle of all our circumstances. I'm going to do this too and acknowledge this amazing reality in spite of what is yet to come or what is in our lives. The Lord has been mindful of us. Sure. I know there are things that haven't happened for you that you want to happen. I know that our circumstances are not ideal. There's nothing fun about COVID right now. There's a lot of loneliness and depression and sickness in our world right now. And yet, you and I can choose not to make that our focus and lose our joy this Christmas. Because despite all that, we know the Lord has been mindful of us. If you're following like Mary, I can rejoice because the Lord has been mindful of me. He is God with us. So mindful of us, in fact, that this baby whose birth we celebrate on Christmas would give his life for us in order to do just what Mary sang about, that he would bring salvation to his people. I'm pretty sure that Jesus wasn't experiencing happiness about the idea of the cross. As we learn in his prayer to the Father, he wishes this would be taken away for him. And yet, he did it anyway. Why would Jesus do that? Amazingly enough, we're told in Hebrews verse, chapter 12, verse 2, which I'll have you read out loud on your notes with me there. It says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Can you believe that? For the joy that was set before him, he set aside his happiness, he set aside his circumstances, he endured the cross, was scorned and shamed, was buried in a tomb. Everybody thought all their joy was buried with him. And then on the third day, the third day, he rose again and he unleashed a river of joy that we can still experience today. What, though, was the joy that was set before him that he would endure all of that for? It's a relationship with you. A relationship with me. Has the Lord been mindful of you? You bet he has. In fact, can we just say that out loud together? The Lord has been mindful of me. Will you do that with me? The Lord has been mindful of me. What other reason do we need than to rejoice over that? Just open up your heart to him. If you're following, here's the question on this third Sunday of Advent for us to consider. Will I choose the true joy that flows from Jesus this Christmas? Maybe today is the first day you will choose that joy. You will go to the source of all joy and you will give your life to him. You can simply ask and receive, Jesus said, and your joy will be complete. Maybe your relationship with the Lord has gotten a little bit stale. You're not experiencing the kind of joy that you're hoping to have. Maybe you need to rededicate yourself to spending time with him, spending time in his word, in prayer, in serving others, in community. Even though that's difficult, there's still ways for us to figure that out. Friends, joy is not a manufactured emotion. Joy comes from the source. Let's pray. Oh God, how... I needed this message this year especially. How easy it is to get fixed on my circumstances, on our circumstances. We confess to you that can happen so easily in our lives. We confess that we get our eyes off of you and we get our eyes off of what this world offers us for happiness. We get our eyes on our circumstances 
Help us this Advent, this Christmas, to fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy of being in relationship with us endured the cross. Help us to experience everlasting joy, true joy. We pray this in your holy, merciful, and strong name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.